1: Zoom-o-play. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let's letsmakeaplan.org.
2: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your
1: Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey welcome to stuff to blow your mind this is Robert lamb
2: and i'm julie douglas
0: and julie i'm uh i i'm I'm kind of worried about, about some cats out there um not my cat my cat is uh is straight edge but uh a number of these animals are addicted to a certain substance. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say that you know I'm just gonna reveal right now that my cat Owen is is a victim of it. Yeah, uh, he might even be at home glassy eyed right now.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's known on the street as the nip
2: mm-hmm. or
0: uh, or CN, uh, but uh, more commonly known to humans as catnip. That's right. Yeah,
2: it's a big problem.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I think most people have observed this uh, uh, this. Uh, this potentially uh, problematic uh, behavior in in animals, if not your in your own cat, uh, in your friends' cats, or just cats on the street, uh, they'll they'll generally you'll 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 either supply it to them, or they'll obtain it in the form of a uh, an actual living plant growing in some some dirt, or right. it's a powder, or it's been uh, you know somehow meshed into a toy, or I've actually seen it uh, somehow processed into like a solid ball. Like the like like a uh, like a jawbreaker, yeah. And then they just go nuts for it. And there's just uh, there's drooling, there's there's rolling around on the floor, You'll right.
2: Pull. Or sometimes the cute little stuffed bunny that it's in is torn apart. It's just <laughs> it can get pretty ugly.
0: It's which is kind of cruel. Like imagine if you uh, if I mean imagine if if people were administering uh, you know dangerous drugs or or very addictive drugs to humans in a similar cap- capacity. Like here you go, here's your heroin. But it's in a baby doll. You're going to have to tear the baby apart to get to it. You know, that would be yeah. kind of weird. Wow. But, uh, but it's not a, uh, uh we're kidding a bit, but it's, it's a, not a dangerous uh, substance. I mean, unless the cat, I guess, tries to drive a vehicle afterwards or something, right?
2: Right. And in that case, you just take the keys away from Owen, like I do. But, right, it's naturally occurring. Yeah. Can't blame them for stumbling upon it and saying, wow, this, this mint-like herb is really delicious.
0: Yeah, and the uh, the primary um agent at work here is actually uh, similar to uh turpentine and it's uh called nepetalactone.
2: Rolls off the tongue.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also known as the nep uh, um, on the street uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, on the street among in cat circles. And uh it you know it's it's like I say it's hard to sort of to gauge exactly what it's doing but it seems to stimulate the you know regions of the cat brain that control sex, appetite and mood.
2: Right, right, and in fact, there's a there's supposed to be special wiring for cat pheromones in their olfactory apparatus. Is that mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Okay. And uh, apparently, one third of domestic cats don't react to catnip at all. Such as my cat, um, which again, we we I keep I'm always impulse buying catnip because I'm right. like, oh, maybe she only wants it when it's really fresh. So I will get the plant, and then she, you know, but she has no part of it.
2: You've tried everything to dose your cat.
0: Pretty much, yeah, because it's so amusing when it happens. And, and ultimately, um, you know, cats are there for our amusement of uh, course. when they live in our homes. I and think
2: I shared with you earlier that my cat is 26 pounds. He's a mancoon, Coon, and actually I'm frightened when he gets <laughs> dosed. <laughs> because, you know, you, you just don't want that type of large cat pouncing on you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do they pounce? Usually. Does he pounce when he gets... Uh...
2: Yeah, I mean, out. he does the whole like rolls around, drools, glassy eyed, and mm-hmm. then the the paranoid like jumping from from one piece of furniture to the other until you. That's when I get a little bit nervous, and we all uh, sequester ourselves into a small room until he's done.
0: Now, um, I found it interesting that uh, cats say in Japan, uh, and the Japanese people love their cats, as most of the videos on YouTube can attest to. Right. Um, uh, well, I mean. Most of the i think half the videos on youtube are cats doing something weird anyway but uh but they have a another plant over there uh that's uh similar uh called the uh matatabi plant which uh contains um compounds uh that are similar to something called uh well similar to the same uh nepatella that I mentioned earlier right the nep uh and it causes um it, it depends on where you look. I saw I saw one account that was saying that it causes different behavior, making them line their backs with their paws in the air. But I looked on YouTube <laughs> for a yeah, and I look, but I looked on YouTube and it was like it looks like exactly the same behavior. It's cats rolling around, you know, trying to get inside the toy that contains the uh, this particular substance, and uh, and or or just rolling around in it and just you know totally going weird, weird, it, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And, and I, I think it's sort of like a psychosexual response too.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean we talked about the pheromones, so it's a little bit creepy when I think about it that way.
0: Now, the human usage of uh, of of these substances is pretty interesting as well because uh, apparently um uh the, uh the 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 Matatabi uh, plant has also been used in uh, traditional Chinese folk medicine for pain control and as a tonic uh, for ruth
2: okay well and also before Chinese tea became widely available catnip tea was pretty popular
0: oh like before like green tea and stuff became yeah there? yeah
2: before the the trade routes were established huh. and so on and so forth people would pour themselves a nice little catnip tea
0: wow so like I mean right now I'm actually having a a, a mug of green tea so uh you know, there but for fortune, I would be sitting here having a, a a cup of catnip tea, just looking over my shoulder to make sure that the the hordes were not rushing in from the streets to to uh, consume it for me.
2: That's exactly right, and yeah. you would probably be wearing like a tricorn hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the the thing about the cats getting high it's that it's just it's not that unusual in in nature. Yeah. And we see examples of this all over the place in much more extreme fashions.
0: Yeah, yeah, there are a a lot of junkies in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not all junkies. Sometimes they're merely, uh, um, it, well, sometimes they're there's It's definitely a case of self-medication. Med,
2: uh, yeah. Bingers uh, too, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, and then there are bingers, and then there there are cases where, uh, uh the, the jury's kind of out on exactly what's going on. Right. But uh, but uh, we're gonna talk about uh, some of the uh, more uh, outlandish and interesting cases of. uh animal drug use in this podcast. So uh so let's uh let's move on to another animal Who All do right. we have next.
2: Well, let's talk about the drunkards, the dipsomaniacs specifically lorikeets. Laura lorikeets. Laura yes, the little tiny parrots. And apparently in Australia, this is this is a problem and and of late it's been exacerbated and they're not quite sure why, but there have been reports of hundreds of drunk parrots just falling <laughs> from the sky. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And that people were handing in, uh, birds that had been found stumbling around the road, eyes gunky and half closed and unable to fly. Wow. And they think that was a, a mystery food that they ingested or some sort of virus. Hmm. Um, but the birds were treated with meals of porridge and fresh fruit. And supposedly that left them feeling drowsy and, and it caused them to lie down in a, in a sort of hangover state or what, <laughs> what those people interpreted to be a hangover state. But that's actually not too uncommon. I mean, it's possible that they got a hold of some fruit that was fermented and they just ate a lot of it and got very drunk.
0: Yeah, the, the fermentation process that we exploit uh, in the production of various alcoholic substances is, of course, a natural um, phenomenon that occurs with, with any number of, of fruits out there. I mean, the same thing that turns you know, that can, can turn a grape into wine uh, right. will happen on the vine uh with, with with or on you know on the branch with a number of different uh, substances.
2: Right, so it's not exactly like the Lord Keats were were getting into grain alcohol or anything. Right, right. right. They, or, just, yeah. they just they just happened to eat this fruit, um. But obviously they liked it enough to keep eating it and become so drunk that they were falling out of the sky and just hanging out on the corners.
0: Yeah, but but like with this animal and with a with a number, it, it kind of. You, you're forced to ask the question. It's like, are they eating the fruit because it's fermented, or are they they're just eating fruit because, in, in addition to getting them yeah. wasted, it's uh you know that's where the you know the meal is. That's where the the stored energy is to continue life.
2: Right. Right. And actually, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about the moose um, because it's the same situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> the uh, the moose that when uh, particularly in Sweden during the fall, mm-hmm. uh, they tend to come out in the suburbs from the forest. And start eating all of the fruit that's dropped on the ground there. And, of course, at that point, that fruit has begun to ferment. And the problem, though, is that you have, you know, this very large moose getting drunk off of uh, the fruit there. And then they just start doing all sorts of crazy things. And, st- you know, they're running into the middle of the street, causing accidents, Um There have been accounts of them belly flopping into empty swimming pools. Whoa. Yeah. And attacking people. So it's actually a real problem there. And if you look at the papers from that time period during the fall in Sweden each year, there's, it's always like drunk moose attack. (laughs) You know, drunk moose came through the window of our house while we were watching TV. But again, it's the same thing. Are they, are they leaving the forest to seek out, uh, fruit because they, all of that is, in their particular areas, they they've eaten, and mm-hmm. so that they they know in these uh, areas, peopled by humans, that they're not necessarily going to eat all the fruit, and so they suspect that there's fruit out there, or they've learned that over time.
0: It's also worth noting that, but I I believe that um, I mean a moose tends to be a more aggressive animal. Uh, I mean, as aggressive as a you know a a prey species right. can be, but uh, but like when I was a kid up in uh, Newfoundland, Canada. Uh, there are always accounts of, you know, talking about like the moose charging a vehicle or, you know, or yeah. moose like just trampling on top of a, a vehicle and, or, or, or doing things like, you know, suddenly like plowing through a wall.
2: So. Right. So they don't necessarily need to be drunk in order to exhibit that behavior. Yeah. But what they have noticed is late fall, here they come en masse out to, uh, in the neighborhoods just causing all sorts of craziness.
0: Yeah. And if they're hanging out at Tico Bray's house, <laughs> then all the, the more potential to get that's drunk right. and fall he, down a flight of stairs. He
2: kept his moose uh, pretty regularly drunk. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you, this also leads to a myth out there, and that's that has to do with elephants. Okay. We should probably put this myth to rest with with uh, the other myth that elephants bury their dead, right?
0: Right. Yeah. The whole elephant uh, burial ground, graveyard type of thing, where you you know where you just find this place with all these these elephant bones. Um, Yeah, that's.
2: That it's not true.
0: Yeah. It's a great idea. I mean, it it sounds fabulous, but.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very touching and, Mm. and, you know, a part of me wishes it were true, but it's not. Same thing with drunk elephants. Uh, they're regularly reported going on booze-fueled rampages (laughs) in India. But zoologists have calculated that the amount that animals would have to drink to get drunk um, would clear them of being under the influence Um, and that they're just being a little bit aggressive about their territories and defending them. And so but but, you know look at yourself as a someone in the village and seeing like a herd of 40 elephants bull elephants no less coming at you and you're brewing up some beer and you you know and they mm-hmm. they're they're coming toward you you might think oh they're after the beer <laughs> i mean you know it's yeah it's sort of a logical conclusion
0: yeah if you, you have some sort of still going i guess everything that comes trampling in uh, unannounced could you know conceivably interpreted uh, like that Right. Um, but yeah, it comes down to like, if you've ever been like, oh, like so-and-so's a big guy, it takes a, you know, he can drink a lot of beer. Well, the elephant is enormous. So, you know, you just extrapolate those, uh, those alcohol estimations and, uh, you know, it, it quickly, uh, be- becomes, uh, a pretty, pretty big feat to get an, an-, an, ele- an elephant drunk.
2: Right, right. And I mean, even though they might have, uh, actually drank from grain alcohol stills that are out there, um, Again, yeah, it's going to take much more than what's available to get them drunk. But there's also the marula tree in Africa that has, again, fruit, which becomes fermented, uh, that they've noticed elephants eating from. And same thing. Mm -hmm. They would just have to to, clear an entire forest, denude it, of marula trees in order to get drunk. So, sorry, no rampaging uh, (laughs) elephants here.
0: Well, another one that the jury's... uh Still out on, uh, as far as, as uh, far as I can tell is that, uh, jaguars like to, uh, chew bark and, uh, and, uh, trip out, uh, in the jungle. So, yeah. I've uh, heard about this. Yeah. Of the Amazon. And, uh, it's, uh, um, there's a tropical vine down there called the, uh, Banisteriopsis capi. I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, and it, uh, contains these, you know, potent, potent uh, hallucinogens, uh, and, and certainly of mm-hmm. a, if a human consumes them, they will, uh, hallucinate and have this, uh, some sort of a psychedelic experience, uh, experience that, uh, you know, ties into neurotransmitters that are tied to serotonin, uh, production and different receptors in the brain. And, uh, and, uh, there, there, there's always this sort of myth that they, or not really a myth, but they're, they're tales of jaguars, uh, consuming the bark. And, uh, one possibility is that they, um, uh, is that the um, uh, some of the uh, the alkaloids in mm-hmm. the um, in the in the vine uh, also sort of clear the animal uh, out uh, of parasitic worms? Okay. Yeah. So uh, so it's possible that they are tripping out in the, in the jungles, <laughs> but they are um, but they they may be doing it uh, just to clear themselves of parasites.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's like they're they're trying to get rid of the you know human equivalent of of uh, say lice. Yeah. And uh, but. They're just that nice side effect is that they're tripping out there.
0: Yeah. And it kind of um, it, it's kind of interesting to sort of look at it in terms of like people going to the dentist and uh, getting doped up for a dental procedure. It's kind of like if you were to view that and not really focus on the dental procedure and you're like, these people are going to this strange man who who <laughs> dopes them up and then makes somebody else drive them home. It's like, what are they what are they doing? What kind of you know, it's but it's tied to a procedure. So it's right. the. um the the tripping that the jaguars uh, do is uh, seems to poss seems like it possibly is just a uh, you know a byproduct of them uh, you know trying to regulate their parasitic infections. Yeah,
2: I've also read that it heightens their sense of smell too, hmm. which would be helpful. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when baking and such. Yeah. So those those are the uh, the hooch drinkers of the animal kingdom. What yeah. about our trippers? Oh
0: wait, there's one more. Um, or th- this is this is an example of. Uh, of, uh, of drinkers that, that are, that are not, no, 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 this is one where they're not really, uh, consuming something that occurs naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very, you know, unnatural, uh, situation, but you have velvet monkeys on the island of St. Kitts in the Caribbean, and they've been there for about 300 years, but because they were brought there by slave traders. So they're just running okay. all over the place. And, uh, and there are resorts there. So they're, you know, as is the case when you have, you know, Westerners coming into resorts, are alcoholic beverages everywhere, generally half, you know, consumed and the monkeys will just swoop in and, uh, and you'll see just monkeys just getting completely wasted. Um, uh, well, what are, or what are some of the other, uh, nice euphemisms for, uh, for drunk?
2: Oh, uh, blotto, blotto, blitzed, soused,
0: soused. I like tight. I like tight, too. That's
2: such a a 1920s thing. Yeah, wasn't it
0: Hemingway that talked about getting tight on absinthe and doing knife tricks?
2: I don't know, but I remember first uh, seeing it in a poem called uh, The Wild Party by Joseph Moncure March, Mm -hmm. which is great. And it's all about, um, actually, prohibition and and grain alcohol and having a big (laughs) party, so...
0: Well, um, on the island of Saint Kitts, you definitely have velvet monkeys getting tight off of uh, abandoned drinks. But the really interesting part is that um, scientists have, have really sort of, you know, have really looked at the situation and and uh, and examined like which monkeys are drinking, because some of the monkeys are not drinking, and then how much alcohol are the monkeys consuming. And they have found that the percentage of teetotaler monkeys uh, matches the non-drinkers in uh, our human population uh, in in similar proportions. Uh, like uh in in human habits most uh most most of uh, people drink in moderation and then twelve percent are steady drinkers, five mm-hmm. percent just drink everything in sight. And uh and the the percentages line up uh you know pretty evenly between us and the velvet monkeys. So huh. this is just an interesting uh observation out well, there. Side
2: note, yeah. yeah. Um well I wanted to talk about horses too and loco weed.
0: Yeah, now this is something I was not familiar with and I'm surprised it hasn't shown up in like a western or something I would have seen or.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that the term loco weed came, uh, actually into popular use in the late 1800s. So it's been around for a long time and it's a, it's a native plant that grows in the western part of the United States. Um, but the, the problem with it is that horses will eat it early spring, late fall when there's not a lot of other green plants around. And once they get a taste of it, they pretty much become addicted to it. And if they eat it for, I don't know, beyond two weeks, and that's pr- their primary part of their diet, uh, it, it can have like some severe neurological damage. Yeah,
0: some of the symptoms of uh, loco weed poisoning include, uh, you know, excessive sal- uh, salivation, aimless wandering, uh, lack of coordination, altered gates, yeah. chronic weight loss, vision problems, lethargy, um that these and you also see it like uh, inter, uh, interfering with uh, reproductive uh uh you know properties that yeah. you know have stallions that become infertile uh mares that don't uh you know that don't bring their young to full
2: term right it's, uh, yep and walking in circles mm. yeah and that's the that's again one of the reasons why it's so dangerous because they they get to the point where they just quit drinking and eating anything else hmm. mainly because they don't know how to get to those sources anymore, but also because they're completely addicted to the loco weed. That's right, I just said the loco weed. The loco. Which I think is used in a uh, popular drug vernacular. <laughs> yeah. And actually, this is interesting, too, that the loco part of it, obviously meaning crazy, but there there's a secondary meaning of it in Old Spanish, which relates to wandering. Hmm. Which, if you ask me, that's kind of what I think it's probably original intent was. Huh. Knowing that the loco weed wasn't a big thing back in the early 19th century. The other thing is that uh, the horses can outlive this this periodic episode here of of druggery. Um, and what you do is you keep the horse as quiet as possible and you administer sedatives along with laxatives to clean out the system. Hmm. So immediately I started thinking about train spotting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, um, it... Uh, on the on the subject of animals consuming something that's harmful for them, it is is worth noting that you see a lot of uh, examples in in the wild of uh, of animals that uh, consume, uh, particularly plants that mm-hmm. uh, can, can contain some property that is either uh, uh, you know that is harmful uh, when they try and digest it. That you'll also see them like immediately follow up that meal with, uh, with a, by like, a, they'll eat some clay and, uh, you know, or, or some sort of, uh, you know, riverbed kind of dirt properties okay. to, uh, to help digestion. So, um Does it
2: kind of neutralize the Yeah, effects? yeah
0: exactly. Neutralizes the effect. So they'll be, a, it basically enables them to eat a meal that would Otherwise, uh, you know, be potentially harmful to them. Right. Uh, and and it would be especially you know helpful if you're in a case where you're an animal where you know there's a certain time of year ro- revolves around and the primary food source has some sort of toxic property. Okay. So they're you know. Th- so they,
2: nothing else is available. Right. And but you, here's this poisonous delicious plant.
0: Right. And so they'll yeah they'll consume it to help with uh, digestion. So and, and you you do you see that in, in in numerous species.
2: Okay. So there is a reason for some of this, right? The, with the horses and the loco weed, that just is sort of a accident, I think, of them coming upon this mm-hmm. pretty invasive plant. Yeah,
0: sometimes you, you eat a lot of different food, and sometimes the food you eat is uh, is harmful. So yeah,
2: that's right. Sometimes the food eats you. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite examples that I've seen actual footage of is lemurs.
0: Oh yes, this is this is one of the best, really, um, and possibly because it also includes lemurs, which are just uh, funny to look at. Anyway,
2: well, yeah, they've got those great eyes yeah. that are, you know, they're it's like all eyes all the time, mm-hmm. and so I mean they're a little intense yeah. in the first place. So and
0: and you know, being residents of Madagascar, they're another one of those species that's just great in that it's kind of like evolution kind of goes off in a bubble and yeah. sort of does its own thing for a bit.
2: Right, right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Madagascar they always uh, creates. Great little creatures like the hissing cockroach, right? Yeah. Which was sort of my nightmare. But <laughs> I remember learning about that. Um, but anyway, lemurs and capuchin monkeys, which are in South America, uh, they love millipedes, and particularly after a nice good rain. Yeah, um, they'll go out and seek some millipedes, and they'll bite their necks, which <laughs> is you know kind of cruel. But they won't necessarily kill them when they do that. Yeah. But when it does that, the, the millipede goes into crisis mode and squirts out its poison
0: yeah, yeah. and they'll uh, they'll kind of drool over it and they'll r- roll it around in their hands yeah. yeah
2: yeah, and they rub it all over their bodies, yeah, which I think is great I mean they're <laughs> they're like clearly loving their millipedes um, but they do this we think because uh, right after the rains there are a lot of parasitic insects that are around mm-hmm. and this is an actual uh, repellent to them. Yeah, like a pesticide.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like any time you you know have to put that drop on the back of your pet's neck. Yeah, you know, in the wild, they're you know they're not going to apply that. uh, Animals aren't going to apply that kind of thing themselves. But here's this handy millipede with this uh, toxic property, and uh, you know, at some point, develop the skill of taking that and uh, using it for medicinal purposes.
2: Right, right, And, and of course, the the thing that happens is that they get completely high <laughs> like they're off their rockers and the clips that i've seen online i think one of them is animal plant is pretty funny is uh it actually the, the camera kind of zooms in and out mm-hmm. and so it's got like the psychedelic look to it <laughs> and the lemur is just you know its head is going from side to side i mean it looks like it's the 1960s really
0: yeah because uh, they, they end up sort of they end up like they end up having to taste it because they end up, yeah. Because they you know, they lick their fingers. It's uh, yeah. They
2: start stuffing it in their mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I've I've also seen some arguments. Uh, there's a um, there's a botanist at the Missouri Bar- Botanical Gardens in Madagascar by the name of uh, Christopher uh, Brinkenshaw. Okay. And he al- he uh, also proposes that uh, some of the strange expressions you see on their faces could just because be due to the horrible taste of the millipede. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he also uh, throws out there that uh, he's observed. Um, a pet lemur, uh, uh, exhibits the same behavior with cigarettes. So the lemur steals a cigarette, drools over it, rubs it all over its fur, and, uh, and, and everybody thinks this may also be uh, a case of where the, uh, the lemur is trying to uh, protect itself from parasites. But it recognizes something in the, uh, in the cigarette, uh, as being valuable in that regard.
2: Like some sort of chemical compound.
0: Yeah.
2: Huh. I wonder I'm on the addictive side if it has the same effect, like, I mean, I I know that some I've heard of monkeys yeah. in captivity smoking before.
0: Yeah, I I wonder. Yeah, I would imagine there would be an addictive property to to rubbing yourself down with uh, nicotine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what is the nicotine patch, right? But uh, yeah, nicotine exactly. Nicotine absorb absorbed yeah. through the skin.
2: Why don't they make nicotine lotion? <laughs> I don't know what we're thinking about it. Oh. No.
0: No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm picturing it like you know, just somebody who's really into smoking, just coming home in the afternoon and just like getting a big bucket, like a big tub of it out, like yeah. you know, and. uh Lighting a few Yankee candles, uh, you know, <laughs> turning on the, uh, the Anya music and just slathering down.
2: Their lavender menthol motion. Yeah. Lotion. yeah. Huh. Well, there's an idea out there.
0: This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Now, did you run across uh, any of the, uh, the reindeer stories? In your, uh, research. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, of course, by the time this comes out, uh, Christmas will be, uh, defeated once more, uh, <laughs> for another year. But, uh, Arr. yeah. But right now, uh, Christmas is just a few days away. So it's interesting to discuss, um, Lapland reindeer and, uh, their, uh, uh, relationship with uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms. Yes. And of course, a number of mushrooms uh, out there in the world are capable of producing hallucinogenic or psychedelic uh, experiences in the user. It just says there are plenty that will just kill you completely dead or make you horribly, horribly ill. Right. So we can't stress enough. Don't eat random mushrooms uh, that you find in the wild. The uh, particular mushroom that these uh, reindeer are running into is um, is a fly agaric mushroom called the amant Amanita muscaria, and this is a red mushroom with white spots on it. So it's very, you know, Super Mario Brothers uh, fairy tale looking uh, type uh, type mushroom. Nice. And uh, there, there's this, there's there are these reports that, uh, well, there's sort of two versions of this report. One is that you have uh, like. you know, like a lot of these psychedelic substances, people consume them religiously mm-hmm. um, or for religious practices over the over the uh, you know throughout history. And so you'll have shaman, uh, traditional shaman in the area that uh, would supposedly consume the mushrooms, and then they would urinate, and uh, then the the reindeer would eat the urine. Uh, would lap up the urine out of, you right. know, eat the yellow snow or whatever, and, uh, then go just running off, you know, completely, uh, spaced out. And then there's the reverse start story. flying. Yeah. Santa Claus Well, be, that's the thing. Yeah. They, they think that that's where some of the idea of flying reindeer okay. come from. But then the other, then there's like a, another side of it, which, uh, which is that they, they would feed the mushrooms to the reindeer or observe the reindeer eating the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And the reindeer would have their old experience. And then they would collect the reindeer the urine. The shaman would. Yeah, because, yeah. uh, cause a lot of the... the pro- shaman. Yeah, cause they think that the, the, the urine would be like a concentrated version. Right. Of the, uh, the hallucinogens from the mushroom. Oh, the so, circle
2: of life. Isn't yeah. it beautiful?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I guess it's no weirder than the, the coffee that goes through the, uh... The, the goats. Yeah, the goat. Does it go through a goat or does it go through a cat-like creature?
2: Oh, I don't know. I've heard goats, but it could be both. Yeah. Like this, like, this is like this crazy, supposedly great coffee, right? That goes through yeah. the digestive system.
0: Yeah. If I'm, I believe it is some sort of cat of some kind, but it doesn't really, not like a traditional cat. Okay. Yeah. But,
2: but the bean actually goes through and then yeah. you pick the bean out of the feces, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not an area I've really looked into a lot because I'm not really interested
2: mm-hmm. in, uh. Someone's a little sensitive about the coffee.
0: Well, I just I just require that my coffee not pass through another animal's digestion. Digestive even if system. it's
2: absolutely delicious.
0: Even even if it's absolutely delicious. Okay, delicious. you just don't want to know. Yeah. All right. But uh, but so anyway, that's that's uh, that's just a great uh, image though of the uh, the reindeer urine and sh- shaman collecting it for their uh, religious rites. Uh, so take that with you uh, into next Christmas, because uh, as you're listening to it, it's probably just over a year away. That's right. Yeah. No, it's less than a year.
2: <laughs> so I mean. You know, we talked about the circle of life. Uh, There are are other accounts of people using animals to get high, I have to say.
0: Um, And not, I don't know, I've I've brought this up before, but if if anyone's ever watched a British uh, news satire show called Brass Eye, they had this great bit that was—it's was like a fake news, uh, you know, sort of, uh, sort of sleazy journalistic, like news show in Britain that was all about the the breaking headlines, the really important stories, you know, really, uh, you know, scandalous stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had this one story that was uh, uh, that that was uh, presenting this idea that uh, somewhere in Asia. Um, in, in like Eastern Asia, people are getting high by uh, a, there's a loophole in the in the law yeah that well the first there are two there's one that like where it's okay to deal drugs if a monkey does it for you so they use a monkey to actually transport the drugs right And then the other is that you can you can uh, it's legal to say uh, smoke uh, marijuana if a dog is smoking it and then you have like hooked up like a blood transfusion system between you and the dog. Hmm. And they have this like super like just crazy footage of like some guy using this apparatus and the dog has like this muzzle with a, uh, with a joint coming out of it. It's, uh. That's nice. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's a really creepy show. Not for the, uh, at times really creepy show. But, but yes, in, in real life, uh, obviously people, uh, get high off of animals or via animals.
2: I know. It's, it's, I mean, it, it you may not know about this, mm-hmm. but, uh, you out there in the general public, but it happens quite a bit. Uh, particularly in Australia, where they've got the cane toad. People actually lick the cane toad. Uh, the reason is that the venom that the cane uh, shoots at its enemies has, uh, hallucinogenic effects, uh, when it's licked or smoked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's actually not even unique to Australia. There's another toad species in the United States called Bufo. Uh, various also known as the Colorado river toad and on the street the Sonoran desert toad and that causes the same effect and the really interesting thing about this is that the active chemical in it and um, in the in the venom venom is called bufotenin and uh it's related to DMT huh yeah
0: now we can, again we can't stress um Stress it enough though. Do not lick or smoke uh, Please. random reptiles Please. and amphibians.
2: Yeah. I mean, not only will you ostracize yourself among your friends and family, um, and look silly, it's just not a good idea. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and think of the toad. Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, not going to really get a lot out of it either. It's going to be very stressful for him, potentially, uh, lethal for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: yeah. yeah, so, you know, on that note, I don't think I'll go into the, spe- the specifics of how you can actually extract it, but, uh, people do it, man.
0: Huh like like they'll actually like instead of licking it they'll like extract the substance and Well then there's a it.
2: there's a way instead of say uh trying to attack the the toad so that it freaks out and squirts it at you there's a way to actually um manipulate a gland Huh <laughs> now I've told everybody
0: uh, Well there's a uh, another example that comes to mind, uh, and this is something that I originally read about in uh, Burroughs' Naked Lunch, and I at the time I just thought it was totally made up because there's a lot of crazy stuff in Naked Lunch right. that uh, I you know do not attribute to being part of reality. Talking
2: uh, cockroaches.
0: Oh uh, well, yeah, talking cockroaches, <laughs> or any number of things that that shouldn't be mentioned here. But there's a scene where they're talking about smoking a black centipede and and using it for uh, recreational purposes. So uh, I just assumed that was cra- it sounds crazy. So I just thought it was completely fictional. Right. Right. Turns out um, in uh, in parts of the world uh, you can actually obtain uh, said uh, centipede and uh, and smoke it uh, if you so desire and um, I, I met a guy once who had uh, had been out in like I think Australia and he had a friend who was able to obtain this animal and uh, and they had they had tried this and he had uh, has subsequently moved to the United States and tried to to obtain the animal again for this purpose. And through the mail, through the mail yeah. It's but he keeps getting idea. seized by customs. Okay. Because they think it's, you know, it's an invasive species. You know, it's supposed to right. obviously send invasive species through the mail uh you know to uh to uh, other countries uh, and parts of the world. Uh but he can't actually uh, you know explain to customs, hey, I don't want to introduce it to the wild, I want to, you know, smoke it. So
2: <laughs> No, I don't think that would go over well.
0: Yeah. yeah so but again, don't smoke random creatures that you find crawling around your living room yeah. by all means. Yeah. And
2: don't, please don't have them mailed to you. Yeah.
0: We should probably talk about the wallabies. This is another oh, yeah. really cool case. And this is a good one to, to, to close out on. Um, if you, uh, if, if you, uh, and this is another one in Australia, uh, par- partially, you know, we keep coming around Australia cause I mean, Australia tends to have some very, uh, interesting toxic properties in their, uh, in their animals. But this is a, uh, this one relates to, uh, plants, um, Australia actually supplies an estimated 50% of the world's legal opium crop.
2: Right. Which is For medicinal to, uses, yes, right? Yes, yes.
0: This is what's used to create, uh, like, morphine, um and stuff, stuff of that nature. Okay. Because, so, you know, all the other, most of the other places in the world, they're growing it illegally. This is the one place where you're growing, they're growing it legally for legitimate purposes. So, uh, you also, but you have wallabies in the area. And, uh, and the wallabies are uh are rather enamored by all of this uh free opium uh that uh, that apparently is not all that well defended That's the thing that got me because the the wallabies will break in and just munch down uh on opium just till they're in a stupor and then they they just hop around in circles uh creating like little crop circles until <laughs> they just completely fall over and crash
2: crop circles explained again, yes, yeah.
0: It's like you thought it was aliens. No, there's a much saner uh, reason. It's wallabies yeah. on opium.
2: It's the, these little marsupials. Yeah, yeah, that's so cute. Can you can see them hopping around completely high? Yeah, in circles. I mean, it's not cute. I mean, but <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's it's. I mean it's uh it's it's hard to get too tore up over it because it's it's hilarious but um but it's also a case where they would not this would not be a natural uh occurrence uh because this is like a crop of opium this is a, a right. man-made situation uh where suddenly there's there's this chance for all these wallabies to come in and just eat themselves silly.
2: Yeah, and it's a real problem too. And I do I mean you do have to wonder do they get addicted? Yeah. You know? I yeah. I mean are they just sitting there you know having the experience and then a week later planning to break in again?
0: Yeah. And again, it's like I just can't get past, like, what's the security like at this place if the wallabies are breaking through? Or are the wallabies just getting super, like, advanced in this? Are they, like, uh, like abducting, like, uh, uh, some of the farmers that work there and, like, disguising themselves, like doing the sort of a Scooby-Doo thing where one stands on the other one's shoulders? And...
2: Right, right. There's one wallaby, like, dressing provocatively in front of uh, the guards see, doing I, a little dance. Uh,
0: see, I can see them yeah. because they, like, wallabies and kangaroos, they all have that creepy kind of human body, like. Yeah. It, anytime I go to the zoo and see them, they always, you know, they always look like weird, furry old men splayed in the dust, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the box, have you seen boxing, the uh, wallabies? Like, I boxing mean, it's not, they humans? actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a cockfight. Do they have fight. that in Atlanta? Yeah. No, no. Well, <laughs> sometimes they do it just as play. Oh. Okay. But I believe that there have been, um, sort of like cockfights. Like oh, I think maybe like
0: you go out for it, like regularly. Around town?
2: Oh no, actually there is. Um, there's a place in Georgia that has uh, a bunch of wallabies and kangaroos. And they box? Yeah, they've got like 400 acres. Well, no, they don't. Not for our pleasure. Oh, okay. But they might do it. Oh, just they box that, each that other. Play. Not humans. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Because I'm thinking like the old, like the old timey footage you'll see of like a man being brought in to box a kangaroo. Yeah. See, that's that's yeah. that's okay. what I was thinking about. All right.
2: Yeah. Anyway, uh, can you imagine them on the opium? Yeah. Boxing that, and.
0: Well, I guess they'd be slower. Maybe you could take them.
2: I don't yeah. know. I wouldn't mess with it, man.
0: Well, cool. Well, there uh there are some potentially um disturbing examples of animals uh uh using uh, uh naturally occurring and sometimes artificially occurring drugs in their environment to uh uh for such purposes as uh fighting um uh, infestations of parasites, mm-hmm. for just, you know, eating to survive or and then also uh, uh recreational use in some cases. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, of course we say that, but we think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, we could say that with cats, at least.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. With cats, like the the example that I I keep coming back to is when I bought some some growing uh, catnip to try and feed my cat, and then she didn't want it, so I planted it in the front yard, and it was there for like a, a week and nothing touched it, but then one day I went out and something had just eaten it down to the dirt, like just eaten the roots of it, and I like this, I think that's a clear case of you know because. Cat, cats don't really go around eating entire plants, like just down to the root system, right? Um, un- unless they're, unless it's this, unless it's uh, they're getting a real recreational uh, thrill out of it.
2: No, exactly. So I guess you were their supplier.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I guess I was. Uh, if uh, speaking though of uh, different. Uh, um, Drugs and uh, and substances of this nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a number of really cool uh, articles about them on the website. We do. Yeah, I mean, so if you if any particular substance comes to mind and you're curious about it, throw it into the uh, the search bar there on the uh, homepage and uh, and uh, you'll generally get uh, a nice fat article about it.
2: Yeah, in particular, Kristen Conger's article: "Are there really hallucinogenic frogs?" Oh, cool. Which talks in more detail about the keen toad.
0: Well, hey, I've got a little bit of uh, listener mail here, and this is another cool one uh, uh, that is in response to our recent uh, podcast about uh, music in the human brain. Yeah. And this comes from Eric, and Eric says, when I was a kid, way back in the early 80s, a friend of mine had a horrible stutter, especially when he tried to talk to a girl. He'd get flustered, and this would only make it worse. He liked to sing, and when he sung, he didn't stutter. We thought it was because he was singing a song he already uh, knew, uh, you know, he already knew what he uh, needed to to say, but he tried singing in normal conversation. um, Not all the time, just when he spoke to close friends and family. Uh, the odd thing was when he sung a response to his question or comment, he still didn't stutter, despite the fact that he had to think about what he was uh, going to say when he sung it. He only sung to family and friends. He was already get, get, being teased enough. Uh... Fairly quickly, he quit stuttering. Now you'd never know he was uh, ever a stutter. So um, that was really interesting because it's uh, an example of. I mean, you actually, uh, I think as we discussed in that podcast, mm-hmm. you see examples of of, uh, of scientists uh, using using song, using music to uh, help people regain their speech.
2: Right, people who have had strokes. Uh, people with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I guess it opens up the, the neural resources. So it would stand to reason that if you were a stutterer, that the same thing could happen, right? Right. You would have greater access to your thoughts and be able to describe them. Yeah. While singing. <laughs> I won't do that.
0: Yeah. Well, again. I know you really want to do the, uh, the podcast where we only sing, but.
2: I really do, Robert. <laughs>
1: please, please, please.
0: Um, uh, another interesting. Uh, this also brings to mind uh, Neanderthals. Uh, th- there's a lot of discussion about some of the uh, the vocal um, um, gear that n- Neanderthals seem to have. Right. And some uh, uh, some have argued that since we don't really see any firm signs of them having language uh, in in the, the fossil record, mm-hmm. that they possible that they didn't have language, but that they used the uh, their vocal abilities uh, for music, like mm-hmm. just and communicated through pure music, which. Which is great. I just
2: Did they have vocal sacs. I mean, did they have some sort of yeah, indication of yeah, that's,
0: that? Yeah, that's the theory. Like, okay. they, they biologically had uh, the capability for it. Oh, wow. Um, so the theory is that they, uh, or one of the theories, is that they, they, so they use music. They use song. Like, just, you know, I, I guess it would be kind of like scat or something, you know? Where it would just be, <laughs> like, just non-lyrical uh, music to, to relay a thought. In uh-huh. the same way that sad music can relay a sad thought. It would just be, like, this constant... Uh, aria going on, uh, if I'm using the correct musical term there. Scatting aria? Yeah.
2: It's, yeah, that's interesting. So,
0: yeah, so think on that. It's it's really kind of a beautiful image of the Neanderthal. Totally changes the way I think about what they might have been.
2: I know, right? Arias, who knew?
0: So, hey, if you have any interesting stories about, uh, your own animals, uh, and their drug habit, uh, or any, uh, interesting, uh, accounts that you've come across of, uh, of animals, uh, junkies in the wild, uh, do let us know about it. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, as Blow the Mind. Uh, we regularly update those feeds with lots of cool, um, cool facts, uh, about what we're podcasting about and what's coming up. And, uh, and, hey, drop by that, uh, Facebook page and, uh click the like button if you do in fact like
2: us. Indeed. And if you have any other thoughts, you can always deliver them via email at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.